Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a little shout out before we get into today's show. Please think about Perion to support all the shows in the District of Wonders. As you know, we are now a paying market and we need to keep afloat. The most important thing is to keep going. Please pop over to Perion. Any little amount will, will certainly help keep these shows going. A regular subscription on Perion is just the way forward to make sure we can put out these shows weekly, pay the writers and just keep going well into the future. We've been going 10 years there now, thanks to all your loyal support. Please keep it up and pop over to Patreon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, and Protecting Project Pulp. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you are listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables, 
Welcome to show number 136. I am your host, Nicola Seaton-Clark, and first and foremost, a gentle reminder and a major update, dear listeners. Far-Fetched Fables will be open for story submissions throughout January. And, as of that month, we become a paying market. Visit the submissions page on our website for details. And now, on to this week's episode. We start with Under the Bed by Effie Seiberg. Effie is a fantasy and science fiction writer, and her stories can be found in the Women Destroy Science Fiction Special Edition of Lightspeed Magazine, which was winner of the 2015 British Fantasy Award for Best Anthology. They can also be found in Galaxy's Edge, Analog, Fireside Fiction and Podcastle, amongst others. She is a graduate of Tao's Toolbox 2013, a member of SFWA and Codex, and a reader at Tor.com. Effie lives in San Francisco, recently, and forthcoming but not presently, near a giant sculpture of a pink bunny head with a skull in its mouth. She likes to make sculpted cakes and bad puns. You can follow her on Twitter and at effiecyberg.com. Her story is read by a newcomer to the District of Wonders, Fran Karras. Fran is whatever she decides to be when she wakes up each morning. She has also been known to be a voice talent, performance artist and poet, and professional dabbler in other arts that express. You can find her online at missfran.com. And now, find out what's Under the Bed by Effie Seiberg. I keep it clean under the bed. I go swoosh, swoosh, swoosh and suck the dust away. Jimmy can't have a dusty bed. It would make him sick. I don't want Jimmy to get sick. I love Jimmy, so I keep it clean. Jimmy's been gone for three nights. Every night we used to do our special thing. I'd slowly start to move, make the whisperiest of sounds, and Jimmy would pretend to be frightened and he'd scream. His mom would come back into his room and look under the bed. There's nothing there, honey, she'd say. But Jimmy and I would know different. It's our secret, even though he can't keep the secret even the littlest bit. But that's okay. I always forgive him, because I love Jimmy. One night, when Jimmy screamed for his mom, he said there was something in the closet. It was scary, thinking Jimmy had found someone else. But I pushed out an eye stalk from under the bed when his mom opened the closet, and there was no one in there. I could tell. After she left, I wanted to come up and give Jimmy a hug, and tell him that it was okay. He didn't need anybody in the closet because he had me and I would be there forever and ever and ever. But before I could get up, he screamed for his mom again. Jimmy's right. Me staying under the bed is what's best for us, so I stay and do my whispery thing instead. But Jimmy's gone. It's been three nights. I don't know where he is. But maybe tonight he'll be back and we'll do our thing. I've kept it so clean for him. I hope he's back and I can do something special for him to show him I love him and that it's better here than anywhere else. But he doesn't come back. It's been five nights since Jimmy's been gone, and I hear a soft, flapping sound, 
like the flap, flap, flap sound Jimmy makes when he hits his dresser with his T-shirt. Something comes into the room. I didn't know there was another monster in this house. I thought there was only me. She's pink and white and fuzzy. I wonder if she knows where Jimmy is. She tells me that she lives in the dryer. She was born there, just like I was born under the bed. I don't know what a dryer is, but she says that she eats socks and sometimes underwear, and I know what those are. Jimmy has those. Sometimes his mom puts away his clothes and complains there's a sock missing. I tell this to the other monster, and she giggles. I ask her if she's seen Jimmy. She hasn't, but now that the family is gone, she's decided to roam around the house. And do I want to roam around the house with her? I'm scared. I've never been anywhere but under the bed. But she says that it's okay. So I come out and stand up in Jimmy's room for the first time. There are drawings everywhere. Maybe he's drawn me too. We love each other, and you draw everyone you love, right? But I can't find a picture of me anywhere. Instead, there are pictures of superheroes and pictures of his mom and dad looking angry and yelling thick, dark lines at one another. But no pictures of me. Maybe that's okay, though. Maybe that's Jimmy keeping our secret, just a little bit. The monster from the dryer wants me to join her, but I'm just going to stay here. I think. That way, if Jimmy comes back late, I'll be waiting here for him, and I'll show him I love him. Tonight, I see my tail is missing. I don't know where it went. It's been a week now. It doesn't smell as much like Jimmy anymore. It's so quiet. Not like the last night he was here. He was coughing a lot. His mom came in and sat with him the whole night. So I couldn't even do my whispery thing at all. There are more monsters in the house. There's one in the garage who dings the doors of the cars and jams the seat belts, and one in the fridge who puts tiny holes in the yogurt containers so they leak and go bad faster. With the house empty, they're all starting to explore. So they've found Jimmy's room. They haven't seen him. They want me to explore too. But I'm staying here under Jimmy's bed, just in case. I've lost a tentacle too. I hope Jimmy will still love me, even if I'm missing some bits. It's the ninth night. Jimmy's mom comes back into the room. She sits on his bed and cries for a while with lots of tissues. Then she packs a bag with Jimmy's favorite plastic superheroes, the ones that protect him from the bad guys. I wish she didn't take them. Now Jimmy has no reason to come back. It's been two weeks. Jimmy's mom is back in the house all the time now. The fridge monster sneaks up to Jimmy's room. He says that there's lots of new casseroles in containers he doesn't recognize, and that Jimmy's mom takes them out, looks at them, and puts them back in without touching them. Another monster told him that she spends a lot of time in bed, crying. I'm not very interested, though. I'd rather hear about Jimmy, but the fridge monster still doesn't know where he is. There's not much of me left. I don't know what's happening, but I hope Jimmy comes back soon before more of me is gone. 
Maybe Jimmy isn't going to come back. Maybe now that he has his superheroes, he doesn't need to come back. Or maybe he's found a better monster, who's whole. But that can't be it. Jimmy and I love each other, so I'll keep waiting here, under the bed. Hmm. Thanks, Effie. Our feature story this week is The Adventures of Petal the Paper Doll Pirate by Paul Jessup. Paul is a critically acclaimed and award-winning author, poet, and playwright. He's been published in numerous anthologies and magazines and has three books out by various small presses. His tale is read by another voice who is new to far-fetched fables but an established podcaster in her own right, Khalida Muhammad Ali. Khalida lives in Houston, Texas with her husband and three children. By day, she works as a breast oncology nurse. At all other times, she juggles, none too successfully, writing, reading, gaming and gardening. She has been published at Escape Pod, An Alphabet of Embers and People of Colour Destroy Science Fiction. She's also penned the novel An Unproductive Woman, available on Amazon. You may have heard her voice at Strange Horizons and all four of the Escape Artist podcasts. Khalida is guest editor for Podcastle's Artemis Rising 3 and is also guest editing Truancy Magazine's fourth issue. Khalida is on a mission to encourage more women and people of colour to write and publish science fiction stories. Of her alter ego, Kay, from the planet Vega, it is rumoured that she owns a time machine and knows the secret to immortality. You can catch up to her posts on her website, khalida.com, and follow her on Twitter. And now... Let's partake in The Adventures of Petal the Paper Doll Pirate by Paul Jessup. The candle in the sky warmed their skin, making all too crisp the vellum of their bones. This was the watercolored tropics, far south from the harsh and acrylic snowlands that her Jotuns called home. Petal liked it here, this land of single-hatch beaches and pop-up book natives in grass skirts. The papier-mâché Jotuns were grumpy and tired and sick. They did not like the heat, did not like being so close to the candle sun. They were afraid of burning up, of their paper-thin clothes curling black and catching flame, scattering the ash of their corpse in the static waves of the painted sea. They whispered behind Petal's back, talked of mutiny written down in hidden parts of the ship. They made no secret of their disgust. When the Jotuns came brandishing clumsily drawn chains, Petal had already stowed away on a brown cardboard boat, pedaling straight toward the distant shore. She had copied the map of her flesh, inking the memory of the treasure she searched for into her skin with a large silver-point pen. That evening, the candle of the sun was extinguished, splattering wax across the landscape. Petal rowed herself to the beach, the land rising before her in large cliffs and dangerous volcanoes that coughed cross-hatched smoke. In the trees, she saw scurry many crudely drawn creatures. Orange crayon monkeys, yellow squiggles of finger paints with faces penciled in. Photographic marmosets, cut out from National Geographic magazines, intensely detailed lions prowling the edges of her vision. 
Carefully, Petal pulled down pieces of trees, ripping the parts she needed from the trunk. She then carved out a pit into the speckled sand and drew a flame on top of the torn pieces of bark. She colored it in with a yellow marker, sending a flickering light to fire across the beach. The animal scurried deeper into the forest, frightened from her fire. Petal awoke to popsicle-stick bodies surrounding her in a circle, their white-out skull faces cracked and peeling in the candle sun. Cannibals, Petal thought. I have never heard of them, wandering the tropical islands, devouring anyone or anything they came across. Their infinitely empty stomachs craved the taste of paper and ink, of balsa wood and paint. She stood up slowly as they crowded around her, closing the circle with their bodies. She felt the wood brush up against her paper skin, and a moment of fear overcame her. One scream at her in a language she could not understand. The crowd rushed closer together in that instant. She curtsied as well as she could, her paper dress almost tearing beneath her hands. I am Petal. I have come searching for the golden heart, the treasure that lay under the spilled wax of the sun. A grunt, a balsa wood stick with the top half bitten off and a face ruined with an orange stain came forward. He looked mean and broken down, like he lived a life of pain and misery. He looked at her over, then smiled and motioned toward the oily blue sky. They surrounded her, their bodies tying her with satin string and decorating her skin with glue and glitter. They then lifted her up onto their heads and carried her through the cardboard trees and the green felt leaves. Closer and closer to the candle sun they crawled, the air hotter and the ground splattered with sticky orange wax. Ancient ruins made of half-eaten paper towels and decorated with finger paints and glitter stuck out from the ground in random sinking circles. Petal heard the howl of hungry coffee stains on the prowl and the juttering cry of origami birds as they hopped about picking scribbled fruit from the felt trees. Her body shivered, the paper flapping in the unfurling wind as the cannibals led her deeper and deeper into the jungle. I am lost now, she thought. I have no idea where we are on the map. She only knew that they moved east toward the candle sun, the wings of her butterfly heart vibrating against her skin. At dusk, when the candle sun spluttered low to the ground, Petal saw a large monument toward the top of a hill. It was made from a series of old shoe boxes with plastic tubes connecting each building. The shoebox buildings were decorated with Christmas lights and stickers of pop culture icons. At the very top of the structure stood a pipe cleaner statue astride two buildings, looking down on the island with a blank and empty face. They led her towards it, closer and closer. To the right and left of her, she saw hand-painted lead skeletons on the ground, with arms and legs missing. She saw that the first building that they were leading her towards was lined with hand-painted lead skulls. She wondered if these were trophies of the dead, trophies of those sacrificed. The cannibals chanted around her, carrying her into the structure. 
Arches of styrofoam glided over her head as they carried her deeper and deeper into the temple. Other cannibals came out of the shadows to stare at her in awe. Toothpick cannibal children hopped up and down and cheered. Broken balsa wood cannibal mothers jeered and looked hungrily at her paper skin. Am I going to be enough, she thought? Will I be enough to feed all of these cannibals? What are they doing with me? Where are they taking me? She only wished that she could understand their language and somehow know of her twisted fate. They led her to a cell in the highest section of the temple. It had holes eaten into the side, overlooking the island in a great honeycomb. Waiting in the cell was another papal doll like herself, her brown painted eyes staring out and across the island. Her cellmate was naked, the tabs on her shoulders awaiting the purpose of paper princess dresses and punched out two short skirts. The cannibal then ripped off Petal's clothing, nearly tearing the tabs on her shoulders and waist. She screamed in horror as they tore her dress apart and devoured them, their appetite for all things artistic never ending. Satiated, they left the room, the remaining confetti gore leaving it an empty feeling in the core of Petal's stomach. The girl turned and looked at her. She studied Petal's body and saw a map inked onto her chest. She smiled, turning, and looked out over the island beyond. So, you are looking for the treasure as well. Petal nodded, wondering who this paper doll was. Yes, yes I am. Do you know what will happen to us? The girl sighed. It sounded like reeds in the wind. Exactly what you think will happen to us, which is why I have a plan. They took my map away from me and ate it. But if we work together, we should be able to find the treasure without any problems. Petal sat on the floor, picking up the remains of her paper garment. Oh, she did not want to share the treasure. She had wanted it all for herself. Petal had even planned on ditching the Jotun somewhere before they discovered the real thing, just so she could keep it all to herself. The paper girl turned and looked at her. The pinhole stars of night made a halo of white and blue light around her head. Oh, you sound disappointed. Would you rather be eaten? Do I need to remind you what happened to your clothes? Petal looked up and saw the constellations she had memorized so long ago when she was a child, living in a pop-up book castle far to the north. The stars themselves were outlined in a glowing green with the pictures of gods and goddesses illustrating the vast jumble of mythology that was contained in their world. No, said Petal. No, you do not need to remind me. Okay, then, the girl said. Can I assume that you're with me? Petal shrugged. I don't even know your name. String, the girl said, holding out her thin and fragile hand. Petal walked up to her, stared at her hand, and shook it. She saw small cuts along String's fingers. Okay, I'm Petal, and yes, you can count me in, on one condition. String pulled her hand back recoiling as if Petal's words had sliced her paper skin to ribbons. Condition? Condition? 
I'm offering you a way out of here, a way to get what we both dream of every night, and you are giving me conditions? Petal turned, hiding the smirk that painted itself across her face. She wandered aimlessly, kicking pebbles, acting like she had done nothing wrong. Well, if you don't want to use my map, I understand. String vibrated in rage as she stomped her foot. Your map? Your map? Your map is plain to see. I could copy it right now, or even tear it from you while you sleep. How I get the map is unimportant to me, but I will have it. If you cooperate with me, it will be easiest on both of us. Petal turned and looked at String. So be it, she said. But I would like to see you copy it without a pen. Resigned, String slumped to the floor. What is your condition? Outside, the light of torches swayed and chanting corrupted the air. A procession of cannibals could be seen out of the window a tail of fire like a spiral snake as they walked toward the beach of the island. Petal saw a ship stranded there, her ship stranded there, tossed over on the side and with holes ripped in the paper stern. Petal saw the contorted heads of the Jotuns as they stumbled about on the land, tearing off sections of paper from the trees and trying to repair the ship with tape. My condition, Petal said, realizing the time to escape was now, is that I get to keep her pictures. String looked out and saw the same sight that Petal saw and came to the same conclusion. I accept. I accept. We should leave now while they are preoccupied with the shipwreck. Petal nodded, understanding completely. Petal and String ripped parts of cardboard from the honeycomb of the walls and strung them together to make a makeshift ladder. They slid the ladder over the side and scaled down to the felt jungle below, the Christmas decorations lighting their descent in orange and blue hues. In the distance, they heard the solitary sounds of a music box tinkling. Petal felt her skin shudder, a memory lodged deep within her mind, coming hazily into view. A giant, with pen and paper, a girl, the owner of the treasure. I must move on, Petal thought, to honor her, to keep her memory alive. On the ground, they consulted Petal's skin, and followed the map closer to the land of the stars, the cusp of this reality itself. They traipsed over hills and underneath waterfalls, resting in the odd moments in the ruins of styrofoam shells and discarded toy boxes. The closer they came to the location, the louder the music box and the hotter the candle sun. They smelled the candle scent waft through the trees, tainting their leaves with the smell of lilacs and jasmine. The forest changed around them. It was no longer predictable. It became muddled and without art. Trees rearranged into chaotic fractal shapes, Hills and bushes torn apart into confetti vines hung from the sky. The sparkle and stick of glitter and glue abounded, and the bodies of rearranged animals hopped to and fro, strange squiggles lacing across their backs and front. This isn't right, said String. Petal shrugged and moved onwards. How do we know that? The map has not been wrong so far. String stopped and touched a broken bedlam tree. 
sharp points of paper sticking out from it in half-mad juxtapositions. No, no, I mean this place feels wrong, like it's been ruined or destroyed. Petal looked around and saw what String meant, felt the realization inside of her own mind. You're right, something is off here. She would never make a place like this. It feels... String stopped and felt the ground, astroturf, and random patches covered up chicken wire, exposing a glowing golden ball far beneath them, broken, deteriorated. Like someone rearranged it. String stood back up and wiped the plastic faux grass from her hands. It felt contaminated. Right, like someone had come through and torn it all apart piecing it back together into a morbid collage. A clicking noise in the distance, like a rusted machine, and then a slicing sound, and the sound of pulling tape and laughter. What the hell was that noise? Petal peered through the chaos. She saw figures dancing, figures coming toward them. Sharp black outlines with strings rising up from the shadows and into the oil-painted sky. I don't know, but they're coming this way. Over the brick-brack landscape they came, marionettes the size of houses wearing paper plate masks. In their hands they wielded large scissors that they snipped into the landscape, shearing off pieces of plant and animal. On their back they carried large circular rolls of tape. With tape and scissors they pieced the world together to their own liking, sprinkling each abomination with glitter and glue when they were finished. They laughed with joy at the destruction of her world, dancing and playing as they remade each and everything they came into contact with. The marionettes looked down. Glass eyes peered out from behind holes cut into masks, decorated with elaborate red and black marker curlicues. What have we here? My brothers, my sisters, come and see this pretty little things. They circled round string and petal, rusted scissors snipping the air, hungry for the paper of skin and tree, starved and ready to rearrange the world. My, my, two paper dolls so far south. Who are you? What are you doing here? Another pointed its scissors at string. I say we remake them. We cut them up and put a dog's head on that one and a lion's tail on the other. And wings and leaves and glitter. I love glitter. So pretty, so sparkly, so nice. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Let us remake them, Note. Let us take them into our creative hands and turn them into something new and beautiful. It's what she would have wanted. It's what she made us in the first place. To recreate the world, one piece at a time, until it is beautiful and chaotic. Wait, wait, one said in a squeaky voice. We cannot touch them. If they have a map, then surely they do. Look at her skin. Oh, the map, the map, that goddamn thing. We should do it anyway. It wouldn't be the map anymore when I'm done with it. 
It'll be confetti locations strewn close to the sun, a cloud of paper skin and a mist. Just some snip, snip, snip. Come on, note, let me have my fun. The one known as Note walked forward, taking sharp and jerky marionette strides. No, we will let them pass. Someone must find the treasure. It was her law. We cannot touch it. We cannot touch them. She feared that without the treasure, this would all be lost. Ha! It is already lost. Just a matter of time. We will come for you eventually. Once you go back home, treasure or not, we will find you. This whole world will be rebuilt, and you will go with it. Snip, snip. Note stepped aside as the other puppets snipped their scissors in the air as a warning cry to them. String and petal rushed past, not sure if Note could change its mind and let the others tear them apart and reconstruct them in a disturbing puzzle of limbs and landscape. Nothing more than chicken wire now, with the candle sun rusting on top and a splatter of wax across the ground. Even the sky was gone. No more pinhole stars and no more oil-painted clouds. Just a series of wood panel shelves and countless books on art and architecture. Petal and String walked carefully across the metal wires, their every step filled with holes and pitfalls that could plummet them into the glowing golden ball that lay so far beneath them in the center of the world. Not much farther, String looked at Petal's chest, just past the candle sun. Then we will find it. Petal was overcome with longing. She longed to see the treasure, to find her pictures and whatever else she had left for them. A letter explaining everything, maybe? Another map giving her location so that Petal could come and help her? Petal knew that the world was changing, and it was all due to the fact that she was missing. Closer to the sun, they walked carefully, wax flying toward them trying to coat them and burn them alive, fire above roaring hot, tasting the air with tongues of orange and yellow. Still they pressed on, pedal and string, past the edge of the universe and into the study beyond. At the end of the wire mesh was an oak table, and sitting on top of that was a high school hope chest, locked with brass lock and key, sticking out and ready to be turned. String rushed forward, eager to turn and see what lay at the end of the journey. At the end of the wire mesh was an oak table, and sitting on top of that was a high school hope chest, locked with a brass lock and key, sticking out and ready to be turned. String rushed forward, eager to turn it and see what lay at the end of the journey. Petal stayed behind. Aren't you coming? I don't know. I I'm afraid of what we'll find. What if it's empty? String shrugged. Then it's empty. Come on. Petal rushed forward. The two of them leapt up and grasped onto the key, turning it clockwise. The sound of metal tumblers clicking into place as the top of the chest sprung open and coated the air with the fresh smell of cedar. Inside were some diagrams, some scissors, 
papers and maps, glue and paint. A listing of every continent Petal had visited, a map of the entire world, and a diary filled with graph paper illustrations and an account of how she had built the world, including a list of ways to improve it. At the end of the book, it trailed off, describing the making of the puppets and a general ennui of creative block that had overcome her. What is this? Petal said. It is who we are. It is the making of our world. I'm going to take it back and show the people and prepare them for the coming of the marionettes. Petal dried a tear from her eyes, rifling through the papers, looking for a map, a note, something or anything that could explain where she had gone, who she was, and why she had left them. She found nothing. Just more diagrams, more pieces of paper, more notes, more ripped pages from the diary. I, I, I don't understand. I've come all this way to find her, and all I have is this. Nothing. This is nothing. String put an arm around Petal and smiled. It's not all loss. Look, I'll keep my promise. Take this. I found it in the diary. She handed Petal a picture on glossy paper. It was her, all right, and some greasy boy with his arm around her. Petal felt the world drop out from underneath her as she turned the picture over. On the back was a phone number. Thank you, she said to String. This is a start, if anything. Petal hopped over the side of the table and entered a new world. <laughs> And that's it for this week, dear listeners. My thanks as ever go to Gary Dowell, my editor, and Mark Zanfardino, our audio engineer. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We love hearing from our listeners, and we want to know your thoughts on our content. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes or other podcatchers so that we can build our listenership and keep the stories flowing. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but you can't change it and you can't sell it. And please be sure to give credit where that credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators won't even be threatened. You know what happens to violators. I'll see you all next week. Bye now. If you've enjoyed this show and any of the others in the District of Wonders, please think about taking out a monthly subscription over on Patreon. Any little amount helps just to keep the stories coming and the shows rolling on. We want to bring out the best stories out there and deliver them to you free. But we certainly need some help and support. Please think about popping over to Patreon. A little as two ninety nine a month would be such a great donation. Just want to say thank you so much for all your support over the years. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.